Welcome to my podcast, where I connect you with thought leaders and change agents seeking to make a positive difference in the world. Today, I'm delighted to welcome to my podcast a local hero and change agent. On the phone with me today from Wichita, Kansas, is Police Chief Gordon Ramsey, a unique individual that breaks the traditional mold for law enforcement. One of the youngest police chiefs in the nation, Chief Ramsey has made the national media and even received an invitation to the White House by former President Obama for his innovative and inspiring response to the Black Lives Matter movement and protests here in my home community of Wichita, Kansas. I spent time with Chief Ramsey and found that we have a lot in common, starting with a belief that transparency is key and the best solutions come when we struggle with people instead of against them. Ramsey's no stranger to conflict and has a passion for community policing that transforms the role of law enforcement as an agent of positive change. Welcome to the podcast, Chief Ramsey. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, before we get going, you know, I'm always a little bit intimidated when I'm talking to people and have the word chief in front of their name. And so I'm curious, uh, for our podcast, what do you want to be called? Um, you know, I am uh, an informal guy and, and Gordon is just fine. Thanks, Gordon. That's great. Will you share a little bit with our with my listeners about your background and how you ended up in Wichita, Kansas? Oh, certainly. So I've been a police officer since uh, 1993. I got my first policing job at age 20, and have uh, have loved the profession and believe that's why I am here on this earth. Um, I, I am passionate about the role that police play in society and and all the good that we can do and bring to our communities. And uh, I've enjoyed a variety of roles. I was police chief in my hometown of Duluth, Minnesota for 10 years prior to coming here a year ago. And uh, I just uh, am, feel so fortunate that I can do what I love. Oh, that's great. So I'm curious, what does being the chief of police involve? What is that job? Well, I mean, essentially you are... Here to ensure everybody's safety in the community that you serve, and that we are uh, moving our department forward and reducing crime, preventing crime. Our goal is prevention of crime, but ensuring that we are using uh, modern tools and the best practices to ensure that our community is safe, and ultimately to make people feel safe. Yeah, yeah. So you're one of the youngest police chiefs in the nation. Uh, to what do you attribute this? I think it was my early start in community policing that, uh, and working on issues of uh, crime and race and being involved, and I think my, my passion for the job. Oh, that's great. Well, last year you, you received national attention and even an invitation to the White House for the way you and your, and your team and your department responded to the Black Lives Matter protests here in Wichita, and those were going on all over the country. Uh, will you share a little bit of, just give the, our listeners a little bit about this and what you did. Yeah, well, it just didn't start with the protest. So from the time I got here, actually before I even started, I had worked to build good relationships with community leaders, community activists, uh, and those that were, uh, you know, oftentimes at opposite ends of the spectrum of police, those that were concerned about police issues. I have found, and I think it's what... Um, got me to the position I'm in, that building relationships with those that we are often in conflict with ends up benefiting us. So from the start, uh, I work to get on a first-name basis with uh, activists in our city and get to know them before there was a crisis, understanding that 
um, you know, to build up a little capital with them for when there was bad things occurring that we could work together because we had a, an understanding and an existing relationship. So when the, uh, the protest started in re, uh, response to national incidents, nothing locally here, um, we worked to facilitate their First Amendment rights and we allowed them to protest on uh, some city streets and assisted them in that protest. However, uh, what we saw was that uh, there wasn't, uh, it, was, it was fairly unproductive. And so I approached some of the individuals that I had built relationships with and I said, let's talk about what we can do rather than protesting and blocking streets to do something productive, working together to put some action steps in place so that people feel that and know that we are committed to making a difference but really it focused around being productive with our time. And that's what kind of, that's where the whole idea of getting together for a community barbecue question and answer and putting these uh, steps in place to make a positive difference came about. Mm. And so when I first mentioned it to staff, this was, you know, it was a, a change in how we had done things in the past and many were skeptical that this was um, going to be uh uh, not work out well. And that the day of the incident was the day officers were shot and killed in Louisiana. So a lot of people were very skeptical on how this was going to work out. And it ended up we had over 2,000 people show up. Community volunteers from throughout the city helped with the planning and preparation of food and cooking. And um, it was a phenomenal success beyond our wildest dreams. A lot of positive interaction between police and citizens, particularly those of color that had issues or concerns about the police and just and others who just wanted to know and interact with their police in a positive manner. Uh, question and answer session that I did for an hour talking about my vision and different police issues and, and then making a commitment to uh, improving, improving our profession, improving how we do things at the police department to ensure transparency and good relations and trust as we move forward. Wow. And you know, some of those, uh, some of those pictures of that barbecue and police mixing and, and eating and talking with community activists, some of those went viral all over the country and, and really was kind of a, a symbol of what's possible when, when we do what you did, which was build relationships in advance. You don't wait for crisis to happen to start building relationships. And then when conflict occurred, you invited people right into that conflict and said, let's Let's not avoid it. Let's do it constructively and make it count and make it worthwhile. What a great, what a great um, uh, testament. You know, Gordon, I've experienced you as extremely open. You're transparent and candid and honest about how you feel and what's important to you. And I'll have to admit, this is not what I expected from a police chief. Uh, we do a lot of work with top leaders, and a lot of them say that transparency is vulnerable, and you don't want to do that. So will you share your philosophy on the importance of openness in policing and in life in general? Well, first of all, I mean, what we've been doing in policing, particularly with communities of color, uh, the, the playbook has to change. The level of trust and uh, feelings for police in, in those communities are very low. And despite our past efforts, it hasn't made a difference. So uh, for me, it's laying your cards on the table, showing people who you are, what you're about, things such as body cameras. You know, so we 
have fully implemented body cameras throughout the patrol division. And those that have complaints, we sit right down with them and show them the body camera and, and talk about it. We talk about tactics, why we do certain things. And it's important that our doors are open and that people feel comfortable coming in and, and talking with us about their questions, concerns, or complaints, and that they feel that they're listened to. Um, I've had people say, despite uh, us unfounding their complaint, they just feel good knowing that we looked at it, reviewed it, talked with them about it, and showed we cared. Yeah. And that is the direction that um, our profession needs to go. Wow. So it sounds like what you're saying is when, when, there's, when there's potentially conflict situations, the most important thing is to show that you're not a threat, that it's safe, and then for people to feel heard. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes in the fast-paced business of police work, um, some of those basic concepts are forgotten about. Yeah. Or the feeling that, you know, we don't, this is private information, this is private data, it's sensitive data, you don't understand, we are just going to close the door on communication. Mm. Yeah. Well, you're, you're in the public spotlight a lot. You know, everything you day, say and do is scrutinized. And more and more, you know, you mentioned the body cameras, so that, that, you know, everything that happens can potentially be reviewed. For you, what's the hardest part of being in the public spotlight, and how do you handle it as the police chief? Well, we deal, so police, uh, you know, we are constantly dealing with crisis. We deal with people at their worst. We deal with horrible situations. We hire people to be police officers that we vet, we work hard to vet them to ensure that they are the type of police officers we want. But what I see occurring many times is that, you know, police officers, for the most part, they're standard issue people, right? They don't undergo a metamorphosis of, of uh, becoming uh, superheroes when they're at the police academy. They're like everybody else. They have feelings, they have emotions, they make simple mistakes. Um, they make mistakes sometimes that uh, in well-intended manners end up uh, not turning out the way anybody would like. So, you know, the stressful thing for me is that the, uh, when tragedy happens with police, we had an officer last week that was uh, on duty and he was hit by a fleeing felon in a motor vehicle and he is uh, just barely hanging on to life. That's very stressful. We have incidents where police officers, you know, because of the authority that we are given under law, we can take life. Uh, Officer-involved use of force incidents are always stressful for me. Mm. I want to ensure that our officers are using good tactics, sound judgment, and using as little force as necessary. But let's be honest, we have people out there that, uh, that shoot at police officers and don't respect the law. And um, so a certain amount of use of force is always going to be necessary in our profession. But what is most stressful is when an officer makes a decision under harrowing circumstances, uh, well-intended, but for the, for the right reasons, but it ends up in hindsight that the decision they make is wrong. And when you have a good police officer that makes a wrong decision without malice or, uh, you know, uh, makes a simple mistake, how does the public view that? And we need to understand that um, this is going to happen in our profession. And uh, despite as hard as we try to train with standard issue people, we're going to have these mistakes. And, mm -hmm. You know, for people to understand that and uh, understand the stress that officers are under and how they have to make split-second decisions in circumstances that the average person just simply can't relate to. Yeah. The amount of stress. Yeah. Well, and you know, 
eliminating all mistakes is not realistic, but how we, how we respond when mistakes happen seems to have a lot to do with the groundwork we've built beforehand and the relationships that we have when it happens. Absolutely. Time and time again, I have seen the importance of building social capital mm. in this position with uh, key community members and being open and transparent with the citizens. When bad things happen, uh, sometimes the tendency is to want to withdraw. Mm. And my philosophy is when bad things happen, we need to go out and, and uh, be proactive and transparent uh, with the community. Oh, that's great. So I've, uh, I'm a big fan of this concept. Well, our company uh, tagline is Building Cultures of Compassionate Accountability. And we, we, have, we believe that compassion without accountability gets you nowhere, but accountability without compassion gets you alienated. And so this notion of balancing care, concern, and empathy also with boundaries, goals, and standards is a real challenge. And I'm curious, does this notion of compassionate accountability have any connection to your philosophy of how policing should be done? police work, um, you couldn't apologize to people because you were worried about, well, if we apologize, we're admitting liability. And uh, that's the way I was trained. Well, heck, I made mistakes with people that uh, well-intended on my part, but they ended up being errors. And, you know, that was always in the back of my mind, um, concerned about uh, liability. Well, you've got to balance that out with relationships. And when we make a mistake, we have to apologize and make amends with those that we've, we've erred against. And um, that's a change for our profession because mm. uh, liability, concerns of liability has become so monumental in, in the way we do things and concerns about uh, you know, having to pay things out. And, and oftentimes we can stop a lot of trouble just by saying, hey, this was a, a mistake we made, and we are going to put steps in place to ensure this doesn't happen again. And we're sorry for those that have been impacted by this. Mm, yeah. That's a, that's a tough concept in my profession. Quick, uh, quick plug here while we're talking about this. One of my other podcasts was How to Apply Compassion Accountability Principles to Making a Great Apology. And uh, if any of my listeners listen to that podcast, you will you will recognize that the example you just gave about how to handle it is, is consistent with this. Um, so thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Um, so what do you believe are some of the keys for improving relationships between police and the community, especially when we're dealing with marginalized or minority populations where we tend to have a little bit more you know, chance for some conflict? Yeah, well, in policing, you know, um, that is the area to right now when you look at... Uh, studies and surveys is where police need to focus their efforts on building relationships and uh, communities of color and those that are uh, lower income um, where we are a lot of times one of the things that uh, it's an occupational hazard in policing unfortunately we deal with the same one percent of the population over and over again Mm. individuals that are often in crisis or suffering from drug or alcohol dependency and um just those people in crisis. So what happens when our officers are constantly dealing with that and, and individuals that don't want to be dealing with the police in the first place, they tend sometimes to get jaded, like no one supports us, no one likes us, but they're dealing with such a small percentage of the population. One of the things I constantly do is remind them the community is very supportive of you. 
but that's not the community that you often are dealing with. So don't forget the importance of building relationships with everybody and that this community does support you. Mm. Uh, in light of a lot of the police, the scrutiny of police uh, actions of, you know, that have, where incidents have gone wrong, a lot of our officers are not feeling supported. And what I've been doing is pushing them closer to the community, not allowing them to disengage. Uh, it's more critical than ever that they are out there taking every opportunity they can to show who they are behind the badge and create positive opportunities to build relationships. Mm. Any opportunity they have, they need to stop and, and communicate with people, show them who they are, uh, listen, and integrate yourself into the community that you serve. Yeah, that's great. So that's that's a great segue to to my next question, which is, you know, what what principles that you're applying in in your work do you think apply to leadership at any level? What can we learn from your success and from what you're trying to do? Well, I think and going from an organization of 200 people to 850 people where I am now has been um, has been interesting for me, and I like to. I don't like to sit in the office. I think uh, a leader should be visible, out, uh, engaged with uh, the individuals in your organization, listening. This morning I went at 7 a.m. to a shift briefing at one of the uh, neighborhood stations, and officers ask questions. I always encourage them to ask questions about things they're hearing or uh, the things that are going on. And uh, some of the questions they asked were items that I thought that had been communicated to them. So very valuable for me to hear uh, the, what I call the street-level perspective of, of our staff on communication. And in any organization, that's frequently, as you know, frequently a complaint is the lack of communication. And, you know, I thought we were doing better at communicating issues, and it was a good reminder for me to always pay attention to ensuring that we're communicating at all levels within the department. So getting out of the office and spending time with your staff is critical. Mm -hmm. I like to go out and hop in a squad car myself. Yeah. And I remember a story from a couple of years ago when I got when I got in a squad car um, on New Year's Eve. Uh, the headlights didn't work, so I got into a second car. The computer didn't work. I got into a third car. There was something else broken, and I thought, boy, you know, we want to send our officers out uh, on a good note, not trying to find a car, the squad car, that's going to get them through their shift. Um, so doing the job that your people do, is, for me, is very valuable. And it's also a reminder of, you know, some of the little frustrations that you don't see sitting in the, you know, the, the chief's office. Oh, that's great. That's great. Is there, uh, is there anything else that you would like the public to know about what goes on behind the scenes and things that we don't get to hear about when the media just picks and chooses what's going to be popular? What, should, what do you want us to know about what really goes on behind the scenes? Well, I, I don't think people realize um, the, uh, how special our police officers are, are and all that they go through and how hard they work to keep our community safe. You know, we have officers on call for whether there's a traffic, a serious traffic crash where someone is severely injured or uh, killed that come out to investigate, that leave their families. We have, uh, you know, uh, robbery detectives that come out, homicide detectives. And, um, you know, uh, police officers give up a lot of family time and a lot of time away from their children's sporting events and away from uh, 
different events. You know, it was Valentine's uh, yesterday. I had to leave uh, early and not spend the evening with my family and my wife because of some work events. And, um, you know, that's at my level, but it also is true throughout the department. They miss a lot of holidays, and police give up a lot to serve their mm-hmm. community. And um, I think they're special people. They see terrible things. They see the worst in people. They see the worst of our society, and they they go out there and they work hard to make the communities better. And I think that that has been lost from the narrative in, in focusing on what's wrong with policing. There's a lot, way more things that are going right with this profession than are going wrong. Well, there might be another leadership lesson is focus on, emphasize and focus and celebrate on what's going right as well. It's so easy to focus on where we messed up or what we're not doing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, we live in a negative world where that is the easy thing to do, to fall into what's wrong. But, oh, there are a lot of things going right. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, as we as we uh, start to wrap up here, if we if you step back a little bit and take a look at your life, Gordon, what are you most proud of, either personally or professionally? Well, you know, I, um, I mean, just because we're talking about my profession, that comes to mind first. And I think, um, you know, I've been working hard to ensure that uh, we evolve, that we evolve on the best use of force tactics, that we are using. Uh, use of force only when necessary. Uh, We're using deadly force only as the last resort, focusing on officer tactics. Uh, You know, not letting liability uh, drive how we do business and that we work to do the right things and when we make mistakes that we we fess up and we uh, are transparent in our actions and what's happening inside the police department. Mm. And really work to show people who we are, that we are uh, good individuals that are working for the betterment of our community and that our motivations are trustworthy and we want to do the right thing for our cities. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like my listeners to know about you or your vision for better policing in Wichita, Kansas? Well, you know, there was something we recently did in in partnership with the Sheriff's Department. And again, collaboration is a big part of who I am. But there's always been questions about when we have officer misconduct and officers involved in criminal activity, should you be investigating your own? And we recently uh, made an agreement with the Sheriff's Department where when we have an officer, uh, a suspect in criminal activity, that they are going to investigate it. And we will investigate their cases. Uh, gets away from any uh, the perception of any favoritism, any concerns about conflict of interest, and again builds on the transparency that we're talking about, and it builds trust with the community. What a great example! And it's 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 uh, you're putting your uh, you're walking the walk on if you if you mean to build trust and if your goal is to be transparent, then the policies and procedures have to support it. And uh, really appreciate you uh, for coming. Chief Ramsey, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you're on a tight schedule and you've given us 30 valuable minutes of your day to share your passion and perspective with my listeners. Thank you so much. Well, it's been, been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Will you share this podcast with others you know and help spread the message? My company, Next Element Consulting, specializes in building cultures of compassionate accountability. 
We train, coach, and certify professionals to be able to use the energy of conflict to create instead of destroy, and to train communication skills to be able to connect, motivate, and communicate with all different kinds of people. To learn more, visit our website at next-element.com. Meanwhile, here's wishing you a terrific day.